You are on, hang on, since we're being recorded, let me make sure I just ate lunch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and of course I spilled water down my shirt. So I'm good at the, the visual part, clearly. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you look like a mountain biker. So that's the important thing. Yeah, with my um, COVID hair. <laughs> right. Clean right. the floors while I'm at it with the head. You got it. <laughs> So, yeah, we're here on PNWM TV, another podcast with Justin Vanderpool. And Justin is the owner, creator, and sole proprietor, correctly, of uh, a bit gear, which is a, his company, apparel company. And um, right now they have a new line, well, an upgraded line of shorts that just came out, which is proving very popular. And um, I've got four pairs um i actually have <laughs> two sets each of the short inseam and the long inseam nice. and this is not an ad uh, i pay for these shorts uh, as justin can attest uh, i love them they're just great and I'm, I'm going for seven one for every day of the week <laughs> there you go it's more than i have well i mean i have about two thousand of them but yeah i only keep two pair in my rotation but i guess i'd rather sell them than wear them or wear fresh ones. <laughs> well, and I was going to say, that's the thing. I, You know, the funny thing about these shorts is um, I notice when I'm out riding in them, the only thing, the only drawback is they get dirtier than my other shorts. And okay. I think what that says is I'm having more fun in them. Uh, maybe I'm doing more dangerous things. Maybe I'm hitting that, you know, uh, root ledge or the log roll or whatever else <laughs> that I was walking around before. I don't know. What I got it pretty is. dirty in them yesterday. I went head over heels on a techie turn and ended up about 15 feet down the downhill. Oh my God. Where was that? Up on uh, physical therapy or something? Yeah, in that, in that. Let's just call it the backcountry there. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Cool. Uh, yeah. Um, but, you know, what separates it? So you, you want to say, okay, there's so many shorts choices out there. Um, what could this guy possibly add to the mix? And I think there's some really intriguing stuff going on with your shorts, uh, Justin, and maybe you can address why you did it. But um, the first thing I notice is that it's, it's really, it's missing three things that a lot of shorts have. It's missing Velcro. Um, there's, there's no, uh, no Velcro on Not a drop. The waistband or on the, on the, um, uh, cuffs or anything like that uh, it's missing elastic you know usually there's uh, the waistband is elastic and then you velcro it to each side uh, for adjustability and it doesn't have a belt buckle um, it does it does have a belt but it's got these unique uh, cam lock things on both sides of the waist on on the belt and the cam locks slide along the belt and let you fine tune um, down to the last micrometer uh your your fit and once you snap the cam locks in they stay put in other words there's no degradation while you're riding they're slipping or anything like that like a, a belt uh, often does on on shorts because you're you know you're moving around a lot um and as far as i know this is the only shorts, uh, not biking shorts that I'm aware of that use this system. So I'd like you to talk a little bit about how you came up with it. But, um, and there's very little plastic. Um, the 
Um, this, the front has a jeans type metal um, button uh, that you um, use to, to uh, close the, the front. And um, the can, I believe, are plastic, but they're really high grade. They're, they're not going to break on you. Um, other than that, um, you know, the materials just seem like top flight, um, four way stretch on the fabric. Uh, there's some give, there's not as much give as, as some shorts I've tried, but those shorts tend to snag and uh, Justin's shorts don't snag. Um, and the uh, stitching is top grade. Another nice little touch I like, and again, I, it's your thoughtfulness I think went into it. Around the waist, on the inside, it's not the same fabric as the outside. In other words, it's not just fold it over and so you've got that abrasive kind of tough fabric uh, that's right nestled against your waist um, it's it's there's a uh, kind of a velvet material and very soft and smooth yeah it's um, a it's it's a little it's a yeah it's a it's a nice soft knit yeah yeah, yeah. and uh there again i mean that's something i you just don't find and most mountain biking apparel, maybe you do in uh, higher grade um, uh, brands of-, of uh, Yeah, know, it's pretty common on the high end, but- Yeah, but I appreciate it, um, that kind of stuff. Um, there's four pockets now. Um, he had three before and uh, there's two kind of pockets that double as vents below the main pocket on each side, um, but you can put your phone in there, you can put your keys in there. And another nice little touch that Justin added and the new upgraded shorts is there's a separator, uh, kind of a sleeve where you can slip your keys or coins or whatever else. Um, it's in a fail safe for the phone. You know, yeah. Yeah. My good, my friend Matt is the one that um, demonstrated the need for that on the original shorts. So, yeah. Oh, uh, okay. I thought it was to protect your phone against, um, you know, coming in contact with your keys. Or yeah. Either way, that it does that. And it'll, uh, if you forget to zip your pocket, maybe it'll keep it in your, keep it in your pocket a little better. Yeah. And the, the four pockets do have zippers. So that's good. Although, uh, well, again, a nice touch is, a lot of zipper pockets are shallow um, because they right. figure, well, the, the user is going to zip the pocket. Well, you forget to zip the pocket. So the main pockets on Justin's shorts are fairly deep. And um, I've, you know, I use them as regular pockets. I don't bother to zip them until I ride, of course, and then, then I zip them up. But um, there always was that factor um, of uh, what if you forget to zip? And, and in the case of the main pockets, I've not had any trouble. I, things have not fallen out no, of there. Nothing will fall out of those. And I don't ride, you know, uh, I don't really ride with my phone in my shorts. I, I put it in my pack, so that hasn't been an issue with me. But all these things add up to, and, and, and again, he's got two different lengths too. Um, the longer length um, I use in the winter um, and on bike park type stuff, gnarly trails and things like that. Um, they offer a little more depth of protection over your knees. Um, Keep the, away the dreaded gaper gap, right? Well, yeah, <laughs> the gaper gap. Uh, yeah, they do that too if you're into fashion while you're riding. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, but, you know, the short, shorter version I've actually tested and they don't show much gap. It, it depends on the pads you're wearing. I've got three different sets of pads and the shorter tops of the pads. If you've got short top pads, then uh, you might get a little bit. But um, like on the G-form pads I wear, uh, you won't see it even with the shorter ones. But I really like 
the fact that shorter ones offer more ventilation. In the summertime, uh, I do a lot of cross country type stuff and trail riding and um, the longer shorts I found did get a little warm, um, but the, the shorter ones are, are fantastic that way. Yeah, and the new vents will keep you cooler too. Yeah, but anyway, that's, that's my take. Um, and I'll be doing a separate review, but yeah, talk a little bit, Justin, about how you came up with the ideas for this stuff. I mean, why you started the company, what needs you saw, and, and how you came up with the ideas for these special little touches. Yeah, well, as you know, Paul, you know, I've been in the, the bike world in a long time, but it was on the advocacy side, right, as my role as the first executive director of BBTC, which we just renamed into Evergreen, you know, a short 10 years ago now. <laughs> I know time flies wow. or more who knows yeah. um yeah and it, it was really I was looking for a new business to start um you know something creative that could add value and it, it came from need for me I was really frustrated with what was available shorts wise and uh the main thing was for me was fit so I'm a I'm a skinny tall guy but I got a big old booty and I just couldn't squeeze into much on the market and what I could get into was like you know, 90s NBA, like super baggy, droopy, not not as functional and, you know, pretty dated looks. So yeah, I, I needed something to fit. So I launched in and created the athletic fit for people like me with the big old booties and then a slim fit for uh, people who are, you know, shaped more like that. So less with the skinny bottoms, but they can't wear a fanny pack. So they have that disadvantage. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly i've never i don't know what you're talking about i've never had that problem i could wear like four fanny packs and they're not going anywhere so well no yeah i mean i have a you know my my main riding buddy has no butt and and he can't wear a fanny pack because it's yeah he'd love my slim fits <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah so it just came from that and then you know i i design what i personally want to use i don't really care what the talking heads on the you know that light red colored website and some others say, like, I'm gonna make, <laughs> I'm gonna make what I want. So I wanted, I hate, I hate the polyester permafunk. So there's no polyester on my shorts. I like zippered pockets. I, I love riding packless, even on big, like 5,000 foot days, if I can, you know, if it gets too hot, you gotta lug a bunch of water. But um, in those days, I just throw my water filter in my fanny pack. You know, so I wanted, you know, zippered pockets. I hate Velcro because it quits working after a year and then it'll tear your jerseys apart. So no Velcro. I've had buttons pop open on me. I'm like, why the heck use a silly little button? Let's, let's use, you know, jeans work. Let's use a jeans like button. But I spent ages sourcing a lower profile one. Just went absolutely obsessive nutty on what I personally wanted. And then hopefully that works for a lot of other people. Yeah. So, and I'm, I'm really, really hard on gear, really hard on gear. All my buddies who know me, they might ride faster, but I break more stuff. So <laughs> I wanted them to hold up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they really do. Uh, I was on the trail the other day and um, I was wearing the ones I've had since the beginning a couple of years ago. And somebody asked me, oh, are those the new uh, Vic Gear shorts? And they look like they're new. Uh, they fooled them. So they're still in great shape. I, I don't know how you know, how you manage to do it, but the fabric. Yeah. Well, it's nylon. Fantastic. It's more expensive material. It's simple as that. It's, it just costs more to make, but it's 30% stronger for the same weight. So. And your price point. For. Yeah. And that brings up your price point. It's 109 basically. On yeah. 109.95 right now. So one, 110 ish. It's as low yeah. as I could keep it. Well, even uh, going direct to consumer. So. 
Yeah, but that's not out of line. I mean, I'd put that around medium, wouldn't you? I, you know, yeah, yeah, that's a... that's mid market for quality stuff. Yeah. Um, if you go cheaper than that, you'll you have to cut the cost somewhere, and they're going to do it in the the material and the thread and you know things like that. The DWR. So where did you come up with the cam locks, which I really like? Um, so there, there's a couple other. That, that's from a pretty major. It's actually the same brand of buckle maker that makes um, some buckles for high-end um, or you know good good quality mountain bike helmets. So they're European-based companies. So they, they have them available. I've seen them on some products before. Um, I just never liked how they were integrated before. That's why I have the full-on integrated belt because um, I, I don't want, you know, you, you actually shrink a little bit during the course of a ride um, just with water loss. So I just wanted something that stayed up and I personally, once again, some people like elastic better. I personally like uh, a secure belt that I can adjust. So that's, <laughs> that's what we got. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I uh, was concerned when I first used them, I thought, well, they might bite into my tender chicken fat <laughs> around my waist, you know, but I've not had that problem at all. It seems like they're, they're low profile and they yeah, don't, don't essentially come into contact with your skin. So, yep. yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and uh, the addition to the pocket was your friend, Matt, decided that. Uh, well, yeah, that it was just, it was a smart thing to add. Just keep the phone a little more secure. It was, it was worth doing and pretty easy to do. Yeah. The big sure. thing was the fourth pocket. Like, you know, I didn't do it initially to try to stay below a hundred bucks. Um, but you know, with supply chain issues, everybody's going over a hundred anyway. Now. But, um, I just decided I, once again, I personally want a fourth pocket. I do big rides. I do like, I'm a cross country rider who does a lot of downhilling partway through a ride. <laughs> <laughs> is the best way to say it right i love the big ups i love the big downs yeah. and it's just so liberating now with you know you got your one-up tool and your headset i've got a pump strapped to my down tube i got a big old water bottle on my bike you know throw two granola bars phone and wallet in my shorts get out and get after it you know if it's not 85 degrees out i can i can get 5,000 feet that way yeah. And I just wanted to be able to do that without worrying about a pack now that bikes are just so dialed for riding packless. It's just, it's unbelievable. Like we're in the golden era right now. It just, <laughs> stuff just works. I know they come up with some new place to stick your gear uh, every time a, a bike upgrade comes out. So. Oh yeah. Those mad scientists at one up they're uh, they're good. I like those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I hadn't actually thought about that. I, I carry a lot of, um, I guess extran extraneous stuff that, that yeah. only comes in handy like maybe once or twice a year. Um, like I carry a wadded up roll of duct tape, for instance. Yeah, and you'd be yeah. surprised at how often duct tape comes in comes into play. Uh, you know. Yeah. Some, you know, on big rides, I still bring a lot of that repair stuff. In big rides, I mean deep in the backcountry where it'd be a five-hour walk, right? Like yeah. you know, Angel Staircase, even though that's. <laughs> Last time I rode it last fall, that was a super highway. But you know, there, there's a lot of big rides out there. Um, right. But you know, Paul, we we lived through the '90s, right? Even actually, the first half of the, you know, just right after the turn of the century, after 2000, the first five years there. Like, if you rode hard and you rode with a group of four people, somebody's bike broke every single ride without right. fail. So we used to lug all kinds of junk. But you know, the bikes are so dialed right now. Um, that if I can safely walk out, I, I'm not 
bringing all that stuff anymore but i'm still the guy who fixes all my friends bikes so if we're going deep <laughs> if we're going deep and it's a safety thing yeah pack will go on with, with all the spare bits <laughs> duct tape and bailing wire <laughs> oh yeah definitely. Of guys. yeah no it's uh it is amazing how the technology and and everything has improved so much and a lot of times I'll find myself not paying a whole lot of attention to the updates because I I've, I've given up essentially any idea yeah. that something could be improved, and then all of a sudden it'll hit me. Oh wait, this is a real breakthrough. And, yeah. uh, there's there's something. Yeah, there. I, for me, you know, bikes that fit is a huge thing now because you know, taller. I'm, I'm not super tall, but I'm six two and a little longer torso. So, you know. 10 years ago i mean we were scrunched on little circus bikes we just didn't realize it back always hurt now the the comforts there and for me the biggest thing is i've broken over 10 frames i would have to tally them up but i mean a lot of it's doing stupid things on bikes that weren't downhill bikes but that's how we rode here in the northwest even in the late 90s right yeah you had to yeah and uh that's the biggest thing now is stuff just it holds up it's fantastic it's amazing love it yeah and that's that's only been within the last what eight to ten years i would say the last bike i broke because you're right i mean almost all the initial like 10 or 15 bikes i own i get one every year broke one way or another and they'd be warranted or whatever it was always kind of a hassle the last one i broke was um my ibis the original ibis mojo carbon remember with the, the nude carbon they called it with the visible weave um the uh chain stay broke on that one um took it in ibis and they gave me a new bike but uh since then um gosh i don't think i've broken anything it's yeah been pretty pretty reliable and i'm not yeah, really I've broken every aluminum bike i've had over the ages except for two like a rocky mountain element cross-country bike which they just used really good quality aluminum on that and good welding yeah. and a, a santa cruz vp free Oh, one of the weirdest bikes ever made but you couldn't kill <laughs> yeah no uh, um well yeah let's talk about the, the good old days a little bit um first of all what do you think about mountain biking today in the northwest um justin you've had a lot to do with shaping it um has it turned out the way you expected uh, when you started in on all this um what do you see as its strengths? What do you see as its weaknesses? Where can it improve? Where can we grow from here? Those sorts of yeah. things. You know, in some ways it's it's blown my expectations out of the water and I'm a person with a lot of vision and lofty goals. So that's saying something. Um, yeah, it's, it's nuts in a good way. I mean, let's take Tiger Mountain. Okay, so when I was executive director of Evergreen, we were, there was no prospect of getting new trails on Tiger. Raging wasn't even a thing. Um, John Kennedy, kind of uh, my good friend and worked, I hired him at, at BBTC and he was executive director after I was. Um, he, I, he broke that thing free, combined with some good people coming on board at DNR like Sam Jarrett, who is a fantastic partner, you know, an honest partner and kind of kind of helped push the need for mountain bike trails for so we were you know we were working on these long-term vision things where we could see this some of what we thought would happen didn't and a lot of what wasn't even on our radar happened but it was all from building this foundation of you know making us credible establishing let's just call it evergreen because that's what bbtc became establishing evergreen as trail building experts 
Like we're not just a social club. That's how it was kind of when, and we did a lot of maintenance, but you know, let's, let's, let's make this a trail building business and let's be the best on the planet at it. And you know what? The guys are, they're amazing. Like they build damn good trail, durable trail, rowdy trail, not rowdy trail, great climbers. Like these are all wildly different skill sets and they nail it. So our agency partners started to see us as good at what we did. We'll make their job easier, not harder, mm-hmm. you know, and it just, it just started blowing up and thank goodness it did because in the last five years, I mean, was there like like 80% more people riding mountain bikes? Oh God. It's amazing. It's nuts. Like, you know how it was Paul. Like I, back in the day, I mean, granted, I knew a lot of people through the advocacy stuff at Evergreen, but I couldn't go to a trailhead and not know right. at least one out of every three people. And <laughs> yeah. talk more and ride and all that um yeah. it's not like that i don't you know in the winter it still is when when it's kind of grim and actually when i think some of the conditions are the best <laughs> for tech yeah, trails yeah. not for float trails but right. um you still you still kind of have that old crowd of diehard men and women who know each other and get after it in those right. just wonderfully difficult conditions but in the summer now there's people oh, everywhere that you've never seen and that's a great thing a fantastic thing i think it's amazing and i'm so glad the people who followed me because i just laid the foundation i didn't do a lot of this stuff but the people who followed me at evergreen glenn glover an unsung sung rock star that guy put his heart and soul into it and you know he was good at all the things i was bad at and really um just built that thing just toiled and fought and he had headwinds and he never gave up you know and then after him yvonne um, yeah. is just killing it gosh she's amazing um, yeah yeah it's it's mind-blowing and you know for me my riding style like we kind of talked about it earlier I like the rowdy stuff for me a cross-country ride is a downhill ride like it's it's just mountain biking but let's let's pedal let's do 5,000 feet of vert I mean an after work ride's usually in threes or fours but right. and then let's let's hit some just spicy fast crazy sometimes weird trails on the way down <laughs> And we have that now. Yeah. I never like, you know, Colonnade actually broke the door open on some of this stuff. Right. Thinking about advocacy and the different parts of laying the foundation. So one I talked about already was the credibility and the trust with the land managers. Like we're your partner. We also have trust with um, other user groups, you know, ones ones that may not agree with us, right? That may have different point of view on wilderness. But you know, we've we'll disagree with you, but we're gonna do it honestly, right? So when there is an opportunity to work together on something really cool, and it's happened with people who may have been our quote sworn enemies in the nineties, not those days are done. We can disagree where we disagree, but let's get things, good things done together when we get done. So those are two parts of the foundation. The third one though, that I just mentioned is the rowdy stuff and Colonnade broke the door open for that. I mean, Colonnade was a, still is an interesting environment, right? <laughs> interesting. We built bony jumps, weird skinnies, crazy drops steep shoots and the city of seattle understood they're very sophisticated from a risk management standpoint because they've they're self-insured and they just kind of understand it a little better um but they understood that physical risk is not legal risk like they, we have skate parks these kids are skating around on sharp concrete right yeah okay so why can't you do something like that on a mountain bike they open the door and then that became acceptable to all these agency groups. And so now, hey, 
the only thing holding us back from building rowdy trails is finding appropriate terrain, yeah. right? And yeah. so we have some of that and some places should be a mellow trail, some places should be a rowdy trail. And that's what they're doing now. It's, it's Paul, it's amazing. It's just, it's well, so good right now. It's so good. Like, no, I don't even want to travel to ride my bike unless it's wildly different. I mean, like different scenery, different geography, different style in here. If I'm going to go to a, a, a Pacific Northwest style forest <laughs> why would i drive you know well, unless i'm camping out or something but um yeah the, uh, actually so i say that, that when there's places like the gifford pin show that are just mind-blowingly good but um well that's still in the at general bailiwick i mean i you know it was interesting pinkback just ran a poll a couple months ago where would the where what state would be your first choice to go mountain biking in if you could choose any state and Washington came in second, only behind Utah. It was ahead of Colorado. It was ahead yeah. of California. It was ahead of Idaho uh, and all the other states, Arizona, Nevada, all, all, everything they listed. Now we probably would be you know, behind BC, but uh, still, I mean, you know, 10 years ago, five, even five years ago, you suggest, yeah. hey, let's go to Washington state to ride mountain bikes. You know, nobody would have taken you seriously. It would have been a joke. So, and the other thing is, you know, the last, I don't know how many times, because I basically didn't start counting until recently, but as much as I ride on Tiger Mountain, every time I've ridden on Tiger Mountain recently, Justin, I have encountered somebody who's there for the first time, a brand new mountain biker. Yeah. And yeah. I thought, you know, Evergreen Tiger's is not the easiest place to learn to ride a bike either, or well, learn to ride a mountain bike. Uh, yeah, I mean, I had to give directions to a guy. He was at the uh, the outer trailhead of Northwest Timber, and I and he said, uh, I, "I you know I want to ride up to the top. Where can I ride up to the top from here?" And I said, "You know, you might just want to go back to where you started from." <laughs> but yeah, so people do get uh, confused or lost. But but it's just astounding that with Evergreen more than eight thousand members now, there's still new people coming to this sport every single day. Yeah. You know, talking about 8,000 members, that's 8,000 paid members, like legit members, not just people who right. sort of follow you. Yep. When I was on, the, um, I was on the board for nine or 10 years after I was executive director. So I, <laughs> I stuck around for a while. But when I was ED, we were trying to crack a thousand people, paid members. Yeah. It was like hovering at 800. And now it's tenfold that with some people really stepping up too, like putting putting real money, real volunteer time, whichever way they, you know, works yeah. for them. But um, yeah, well, yeah, they just had the so big, good. the give big campaign. And I was um, tracking that a little bit. I, had, I haven't seen them today's numbers, but uh, I think they, they raised over a hundred thousand from the, the campaign, great. but yeah. the average donation was a hundred, almost 150 bucks. Now, you can say, well, that's that's amazing. Uh, on the other hand, with eight thousand members, it'd be nice if everybody gave ten bucks. You know, that average yeah. donation might go down, but you'd have a ton of more money. Um, still, we'll get them. We'll keep working on them, Paul. We'll get them. I mean, when people yeah. are new to the sport, they don't they don't understand this dynamic. They don't. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. but they will. Yeah. I also think all these people who've been riding just either moved here in the last five years or really got into them the last last five years don't realize how grim it was like it was tough like even just maintaining access to the three at the time i mean i'm just gonna call them crappy trails the three crappy trails that were on tiger mountain you know it wasn't always guaranteed we got booted off of a bunch of different areas like it was well, they're they only open half the year remember so yeah 
right yeah exactly it'll close october through uh, april so yeah no it was a, a wasteland essentially there was just nothing there that wasn't that long ago uh-uh. no um no yeah. and and you know to see how the sport has grown in general as well as kind of flabbergasting i mean you know you you go back to the days in the 90s like you said when you knew everybody and uh, you'd have little gatherings and that would we, be we still have well covid kind of smacked that down but those gatherings are going to be coming back <laughs> yeah 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 but you know they were it was a ragtag group it wasn't political it, it actually it was anti it was anti getting involved with bureaucracy anti getting involved with red tape with uh regulation all that sort of stuff we just wanted to stay off of the radar and ride as much as we could within the, those boundaries yeah. um, which were pretty constrictive so uh, it was a different philosophy and you, you know, to your credit and, uh, you know, Brian Jones and Jennifer Lesher and, and Art and, and Lenny, all those guys really had to make a kind of a, a mental adjustment and, and get, get us respect, essentially, so we could yeah. work with the, the agency. Well, and, you know, I want to give a lot of credit to all those folks, absolutely every single one of them, but Brian Jones in particular, another person who probably no one knows that he's like this godfather of local trail access he's the one who made the decision like we got to go pro right and hire an executive director i kind of pushed us into the professional trail building side of things but brian was 100 on board with all that and you know the um brian was really good at understanding that and the whole board was um you know it was sort of before my time when things were more like bloody battles but like hey we can disagree with people but we have to we have to partner with them. We have to get things done. The red tape is our friend. It may take 10 years. It might take, I mean, a lolly took 15 years, right? Yeah. I mean, it was probably 18 actually when you looked at when it was first proposed. Like we have these people and the system, like if any one person leaves, fine, right? We have this system, these people that are gonna stick with it. Look at Chiesty Green Space here in Seattle. That thing finally broke loose after I don't know how much red tape for a tiny little thing but we stuck with it and it's gonna happen and we're gonna keep doing that because stuff does not move fast on the federal level it just simply doesn't so you have to be there you have to be ready you have to maybe put things on the shelf for a while but never give up never let them go because at some point maybe some agency is suddenly going to have a few dollars like the feds have no money right now but they might have a few dollars to do some trail stuff or a key staffer might change who just sort of opens the door for you right right have to be there you have to never give up and it works for us but it's not instant gratification it is a grind and we grind man we grind well and so. as somebody who hates meetings i i just you know my my heart goes out to you it's just amazing how much of that kind of uh desk time and table time you had to spend over the years to get stuff done uh that all of us really don't like to do yeah, you know, you really have to appreciate that about this Evergreen staff and the board of directors who also kind of flies under the radar. Um, since I've done both those roles, I gave up a lot of writing to go to meetings for 15 years. Yeah. That's why I kind of eventually just swelled that and just <laughs> at some point you, you do burn out. 15 years <laughs> is a pretty good run. Yeah. But um, at some point you do need to be willing to like hand it off to the, to the next gen and go out and actually ride your bike a little more. I'm definitely in better shape now than I was back then, for sure. Yeah, so. No. Um, 
Well, what do you see uh, emerging on the mountain biking front today, Justin? I mean, we've got the e-bike thing. What's yeah. your take on how that's proceeding? Yeah, I have a really nuanced take on e-bikes. Um, I, I think they need a place to ride. I, I think the e-bike companies need to step up. And I, I'm trying to say that without swearing. Mm -hmm. um, they need to step up. They're seeing green. They're making a lot of money. An e-bike rider will put three or four times as much wear on a trail, not because the bikes wear harder, because you do three laps instead of one. Right. Step up and help us maintain the trails. It's less, almost less about building the trails, even though that is a thing to help us maintain the trails. We're going to be drowning in maintenance if some of these, if the industry doesn't step up and help us. And I know the, the bike industry isn't actually a very high profit industry with the exception of maybe one or two brands. So we need that. But my overall view on it is it's a, it's a legitimate activity. They need places to ride. They need places to ride in urban areas. Not everybody is physically capable. I understand this in my own family. Not everybody's physically capable of this strenuous stuff. Um, that said, do they belong everywhere? Absolutely not. They belong where it makes sense for them to go. Like if there's a trail, and this is where, the, like I'm not going to give you a, they're good or bad, because does it work for the trail when we look at you know, the trail maintenance requirements, the location of the trail, you know, any political factors about the trail? Is it like kind of a quasi wilderness that fucks along wilderness for a while, you know, where it could actually create, you know, an advocacy flap. Maybe that matters, maybe that doesn't, but look, it's just look at each individual trail and if it works, do it. If it doesn't, don't. Yeah, yeah sorry, I'm not going to pick a camp, but. <laughs> well, and you know, when I'm, when I'm, I had back issues when I'm no longer able to ride my meat motor. I'll probably buy an e-bike. Yeah. Hopefully that's 20 years. But so if I want to do it at some point, it'd be pretty ridiculous to say, oh, no. you know, that's my take. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think uh, it works better for the e-bike um, evangelists to become integrated with the mountain biking community or should they work their side of the street and mountain biking works its side of the street? How do you think um, politically it's best for e-bikers to approach? As long as we're leaving it at class one e-bikes, I, I think it, it will eventually, no matter what anybody wants or doesn't want, it'll all be lumped together. Because if you look at places around the region, like Squamish allows e-bikes, right? So, I mean, culturally, just in the Pacific Northwest, that's part of the deal. You know, you can ride e-bikes on a lolly, sun top, a bunch of places like that. You know, it's... It'd be, I think it'd be silly to try to split it into two. You know, there's going to be, there's some hardcore pro e-bike people that are never going to be happy. And there's some hardcore anti e-bike people that are never going to be happy. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the way of the world. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, you can rent and rate. Here's a shovel. Go dig. Well, the numbers, <laughs> the numbers are shifting. I mean, it's been interesting. MTBR just did a, a poll recently um that showed that uh the attitudes are softening toward e-bikes um the when they were asked to um uh, say what bike they're going to get next uh half of the poll respondents said they were just going to get a conventional mountain bike but yeah. uh, more than a quarter or at least a quarter said um they were going to go with an e-bike and yeah. there were another 20 percent or 15 to 20 percent were undecided so, um, and definitely, I think, in uh, you know, the, the feedback I've gotten out on the trails is uh, more, yeah, they're here, uh, as long as they don't, as long as they don't turn into bad actors, as long as they respect the trails and respect other yeah. riders, it's okay. 
yeah, that, that's where I'm at. And I, there's a couple trails I don't want them on. Most of them I don't care. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, and in terms of the um, northwest, we've got a lot of trails that are out um, basically on the books at this point. Do you see any issues uh, in terms of over doing too many trails, uh, getting any issues with congestion or too much popularity in, in our area? Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't, I, I prefer a mountain biking experience where I don't see a lot of people. So just selfishly, it's probably a concern, but the upside is like whoop, here and my desire to be in solitude is whoop, down here. So yeah, I'll just suck it up personally and deal. It's, it's a reality though, you know, it's a population growth issue, right? It's, it's not mountain biking, it's every outdoor activity is dealing yeah. with the same thing. Yeah. Um, so my answer to that is we have to build more trails. We have to build them in appropriate places, right? They can't just go everywhere. I don't want them everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. But a we, lot of what we I need s- more trails. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, um, well, not a lot, but I, I, an attitude I see is jumping to conclusions about something um, like the, um, the exit off of um, Highway 18 um, at the East Summit parking lot. Uh, you know, that's a, that is a problem. And I'm kind of like saying, let's just wait and see what they come up with before we get all, you know, in a knot over one strategy or another. But, yeah. you know, just people need to be patient, I guess, and trust that essentially the people at the top are working in on their behalf. And there's a lot going on. You know, we, we've seen it, like, right, because we you were involved pretty heavily in advocacy you know, I certainly was. And we saw that this stuff did get solved. It doesn't happen in a year. And so if you've only been writing five years and, you know, you haven't really seen this play out over and over again, I can see how it would get frustrating, but we got good people working on it. I trust them too. You know, I really do. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about what your favorite stuff is, Uh, your favorite trails. What, what, hey, How's your, what bike do you ride? Uh, how's it set up? What, what do you like about it? That's yeah. So about two years ago, I, for the first time since the early two thousands, I'm down to one bike. I used to always have a downhill bike. Right. Um, you know, I was kind of spent a lot of time in the Whistler bike park back in the glory days when it was just a bunch of dirt bags in the village, <laughs> and no clubbers. And you remember the teepees? Do you remember the uh, TP? Do you remember the TP? Do you go back that far? I mean, you're, you're not old enough, probably. You're no, just, I don't remember the TP, no. Whistler was just the TP. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. God. Uh, yeah. You know, anyway. and you know, trails like Ride Don't Slide were super secret squirrel. Not really, but kind of people thought they were. You had to earn them, sneak under the rope and get them. Yeah. No, and there was there was no bike park, so I I would go up to Whistler, the top of Whistler, but the way I did it, um, and maybe you had a secret that was to actually push my bike up Kyber Pass. Yeah. And and or essentially a trail called Kyber Pass. Um, and then uh, push up the, the what calls a whistle highway, which is a dirt. Highway 86, right? Big, is that big the fat one? road. Yeah, big fat yeah. dirt road. <laughs> and, uh, and then you ride down. And then one day I was doing it and they said, I'm sorry, you can't come in here anymore. Um, so, yeah. you know, okay. funny. Yeah, but that was a good thing. So... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, speaking of Whistler, I've switched. I, I like the park a little bit, um, 
but I really like the the valley trails, the Whistler cross country. Oh, that stuff's so good. Yeah. Squamish, you know, that that technical riding, that's my cup of tea. So you're asking what I ride. I ride a transition patrol. Okay. And, you know, I did I did a 10,000 foot day on it last year. So that's my cross country bike and my downhill bike. I do have two wheel sets and I, I switch up the setup a little that, bit. Oh, yeah. I was going to say that's a 27.5, right? Yeah, that's just because I'm, I, it fits me well. I'm frugal and too cheap to go out and buy a. Have you, you tried know. tried mulleting it? I don't know how nah, uh, it works with a patrol. It's great the way it is. I don't, my next bike might be a mullet. It might be 29. I don't know, but it's, I, this thing fits me great. Like, you know, I was talking about back issues earlier. It's, it's probably a little long for me. It's an XL. It's 500 mil reach, but yeah. it, I feel I can ride all day on it without pain. So that's great. That's what I love. And, nice. uh, yeah, my favorite rides, you know, I, I spend most of my time at the um, Raging River Backcountry. <laughs> you know, um, Canyon, like, some of my favorite trails. Okay, so let's just break it down, the stuff all. Yeah. So the um, the tech trails at Raging, I, I love, like, the lollipop, lollipop, <laughs> so go up, do uh, no service and Invictus, maybe go back up, get them all, climb back up, hit CCDH. Oh. That's a lap. Yeah. That is a lap. That's yeah. so good. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, you know, Tiger Your Mountain, I, I never loved it until the last year or two. You know what happened though is that Highway 18, it was too hard to drive there because the interchange. Yeah. And so COVID actually opened that back up to be convenient again. Yes. yes. Driving there. Um, so, but the new stuff at Tiger is a game changer out there. It's so yeah. good. I mean, I, yeah. you know, Predator is a super fun trail, especially if you ride it. Um, more than once or twice a year. I sometimes have big gaps between when I ride it and, you know, the lines have changed and you shear off a derailleur or something. But, um, <laughs> you know, that no TG, EBAD. I love East Tiger Summit. Um, so instead of, you know, hanging a right to go to OTG, you, you stay left and you take the East Tiger Summit Trail. Right, right. And it's not the hardest trail to ride slow. It's so fun to ride fast. Like it has these, I'm just going on to fanboy stuff now, but yeah. it has, you know, all these rollers that you can boost off them, but it's way more fun to pre-jump them. Yeah. So you're just floating and because we don't have a lot of features like that here in the greater Seattle area. So pre-jump these rollers, you're only a foot off the ground. You hit backside, it squirts you out even faster on the back end, like manual and through stuff like, ah, just stuff like that. <laughs> I love it. I'm a tech writer, like your, your typical flow trail, I have no interest in. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, everyone that, you know, some of the new stuff, it's pretty fun where it's tighter and it'll become tech over time, but just a general flow, flow trail. Uh, well, I'll leave, the, I'll leave that for the masses, but give me some right. tech. Right. Ugh, right. Love it. I, I rode the North shore of Vancouver a ton yeah. back in the day, but interestingly, I like our riding better now. The North shore. Yeah. You can put together a better overall ride here. I mean, I still yeah. love Mount Cypress, even though it's, it's being developed into homes, but Cypress yeah. or Cypress mountain. Oh yeah. That's the goods like wild cherry, fifth horseman. Oh, yeah. so good. So good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember one of the first times I went up there, um, I cooked up with a couple of Canadians who were showing me the trail. I, I don't know which one we came down. Might've been oil can. I, I don't know. Can't remember. Yeah. But, uh, but, uh, you know, I was lagging way behind him. And finally, I got out on the road again. And, they, and I said, Whoa, you know, I had no idea. And they said, Oh, you did pretty well for a yank. The last one, we had to take out on a stretcher. 
So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've had that too. Like, oh, you ride pretty good for American. Like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah exactly. Thanks, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, those were the the good old days. Um, uh, well, you know, and Tiger is not complete by any means yet, nope. as, as you know. And I I think the best is yet to come. I mean, I'm I'm kind of. Uh, between the flow and the tech, I, you know, like EBAD, I like to do just because it's a nice challenge whenever I do it, uh, to ride for fun, um, probably yeah. not. I mean, it's okay. more of a skills, you know, uh, challenge for me than anything. Um, the new one, uh, ET, gets gets more toward the kind of stuff I like to do. Um, yeah, that and- trail is... I've only ridden it twice, once once at a work party and then once recently since it's, you know, kind of this soft open. Right, right. Uh, first time I rode that trail, I was like, Woof. <laughs> I got a little hot a couple times. I was going to say, yeah, you, you can get ahead of your skis. Is that the expression? Uh, you know, basically, it, it, essentially, the fast, you know, it's not, it's unusual for Tiger to have a trail yeah. that fast. Uh, you know, that so. trail, though, I think will self-govern people over time because, it's not going to stay buttery smooth like that. No. So you're going to start having chunk in the corners where riders who aren't, aren't, you know, who might be teetering on the edge. I mean, granted, I teeter on the edge every time I ride, but yeah. um, <laughs> it, the chunk's going to slow things down a little bit on that one as it, as it develops. Yeah, and it's also getting that kind of gravel stuff, I've noticed, um, when it gets a little more drier. Um, yeah. yeah. And I, that's... That's the worst thing for me on a trail, Justin. I, I hurt myself really bad sliding out on a gravel uh, switchback. And uh, since then, I, I've never psychologically liked gravel at all. So, oh, I'm with you. I'm with you. You know, we'll you know, the scariest part for me of every ride is that one section where you've got a slight downhill on a logging road, you know, and it's got cobble and that, you know, two inch minus gravel on the top. And, yeah. You're like well, you, you know you could push that corner until <laughs> until you can't yeah like nah scared to death i'm slowing down <laughs> well and the advances in tires have helped in that respect i will say there's stuff that um i would not have written uh you know five years ago with the tires they had then versus the compounds and the and you know the, yeah. the tires are everything everything in fact uh you, you should talk a little bit about that because you're kind of an expert on tires um in yeah in- i would call myself an aficionado more than an expert right um yeah i'm a because i love riding tech trails in the wet i i push tires to their limit particularly in the winter you know yeah. where it's it's as much about you know how well your rubber's hanging on as it is about how fast you're going right 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 so i, I love that kind of riding and uh, yeah i'm a huge huge fan of the sticky rubber the yeah. stickiest you can put up front nice chunky side knobs that aren't going to fold over and try to kill you yeah you know it's it's basically the minion and the Asagai and the magic mary you know the the modern what used to be our downhill tires which have become the cross-country tires because they have you know c- casing choices now yeah but yeah yeah, yeah. that sticky the stickiest rubber up front and the mid sticky in the back and then once you know our, our, a lot of people don't know this about the you know pacific northwest but it gets dried blown out like july through september here right so then i'll sometimes i leave the sticky up front sometimes i'll put a faster rolling tire on the back and mm. go for the high country miles mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, 
Yeah, I was interested when you, yeah, I think the last thread I read of you, you actually recommended the Schwabies over the, the uh, um, minions, but. Um, yeah, it's all specific, right? Like the Schwalbe Magic Mary, I think is one of the best loamy winter tires. However, this time of year, I don't like it anymore. Uh, <laughs> it's not bad, but you know, the minions better. Yeah, it just gets a little squirmy on the hard pack, so. Right. And you, the Asagai with the max grip is, is a nice front tire for you. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I'm on a 27.5, so I can't find, I don't think I can find a max grip Asagai in my casing choice. I don't know. Uh, I go for rubber first and tread pattern sec, rubber first, then casing, then tread pattern. So yeah. between like a, a Minion, DHF, or an Asagai, like I, I don't really care which one I run. I just want the right rubber and the right casing. And they're different what's available in 27 versus 29. So, right. yeah, right. <laughs> especially this year when Maxis is sold out of all the good stuff. Yeah, <laughs> find something pretty close to your ideal and grab it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll say. Yeah, I, I started hoarding things. <laughs> it's just like Yeah, the supply chains, I know this from my own business, are crazy right now. My fabric supplier was like, yeah, you might want to be thinking about the order you want to do in nine months. Wow. Wow. And, you know, it's a small brand where the whole trick on keeping this thing afloat is like cash flow, right? If yeah. You're independent. So you're, you're looking at that and you're like, okay, we've got some planning to do. We'll make it work. But wow. Yeah. No, I, I know, you know, um, I know some like small shops that are really hurting right now. And it's yeah. sad because I love, I love LBSs. I, I love, folks who know what they're doing uh justin i can take my bike in um and ask a question and they'll give me the the answer that's right as opposed to posting on facebook and getting 320 answers and you've got to choose which one of those is right facebook has so many wrong answers oh, oh my God. it's so sad i mean these people are you know they're wasting time and energy and you, you just feel like oh there's got to be a better way. And there is, I mean, your LBS is great, but those guys can't get their hands on components and, yeah. and parts and stuff. So it's, um, it's really difficult. Uh, yeah. I hope, you know, the LBS game locally here has really stepped up. Like yeah. back in the day, there was only a handful of shops that I trusted for mountain bike. And we've got a lot of good ones now. It's really yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And they're spread out enough that you don't have to like go out of your way to, to get yeah. down. Uh, yeah, so we're, we've got a, a you know wealth of riches here. It's just amazing. Uh, no wonder people want to come here to ride. And uh, <laughs> what a difference! <laughs> well, hey, thanks. If there's anything else uh, you wanted to bring up, or no, it's just hero dirt about? season out there. Get after and get some, right? So this is my yeah. favorite time of year to ride. You know, it's like the dirt's perfect. You know, we're still getting a little bit of moisture to keep things tacky you know, pretty heavy snow year. So it's going to be a little slow, but you can start creeping up to the high country. You know, some of the stuff might be August this year with the big snow packs. But yeah. Yeah. An inch higher, you know, stuff over 3000 feet should be in play here pretty soon. So. Well, it's interesting. I was uh, in North Cascades highway just open and um, I was have friends over in Winthrop who always invite me over as soon as it, uh, it turns. And um, I'm just wondering when the snow is going to clear up there. Now, Sun Mountain has come a long ways, and Sun Mountain is a great place to go. And I'm sure that most of that stuff probably is open. But yeah, uh, but yeah the, the real high stuff, like you said, Angel Staircase and 
the new, you know, some of the new trails they put in. Um, and that, boy, talk about a place that's going to explode, Winthrop. Oh, my God. There's so much potential there for real. Oh, the terrain and the scenery is so good. So oh. good. Yeah, yeah, and all those game trails and everything, and the, that the locals know about, you know, where you can just go miles and miles, and not see anybody. And it's just uh, if we can get those on the books, uh, I, I know that Loop Loop, you know, they've got an actual project um, in in mind for Loop Loop that's going to be pretty cool. Uh, so, yeah, uh, everywhere, everywhere it's happening, except with the pandemic can't go to I, I will we be able to get up to bc this year do you think i mean i i don't know yeah i mean how do you know right i i hope so i i miss me some squamish and you know the whistler valley trails and not i even been to revelstoke and places like that it's just so good you know they have they have that rock that we don't have here and it's it's a nice nice variety with with our local stuff so yeah, and I always find when I go up there, I, I, you know, and I'm usually riding all day long because, you know, I'm on yeah. vacation or whatever. And I come back and my skill set has just improved so much, you know, yeah, it's just, incredible. So, yeah. you know, you've got that factor as well. Have you done um, what Lord of the... Um, I haven't. So Lord the last couple of times I've been there, it's uh, Lord of the Squirrels. Squirrels, right. Yeah. Yeah, um, that, that a ride like that's totally up my alley. I like the big climbs. How about um, top of, top of the world? Have you done that one? Oh yeah, I've done that a bunch. I've done that the easy way and the hard way. And uh, yeah, we even took a helicopter off top of Rainbow one time for oh, oh, a cool. buddy's fiftieth oh, birthday. Kind of splurged nice. on that. And, but yeah, Lord of the Squirrels. Um, last two times I was there, it was closed for bears. Oh. Yeah, some grizzlies up there mating or I don't know what was going on, but it was close. So that one's still on my list. We'll have to have to make that one happen. I hope I hope we can get up there. It'd be nice. Um, well, anyway, keep in touch. Uh, it's great talking with you, Justin. Um, uh, you're a hero of mine. I mean, I think uh, the Northwest BNW MTV owes a lot to people like you. And um, the more well, it's taken an army, it's taken an army. <laughs> we have some good people. So nice. Okay. All right, All right, Paul. Take care. Thanks so much. You bet. We'll see ya.